0: So you like hockey? Congratulations. You're amongst the smartest sports fans in the world. Want to fight about it? Join me, the Hockey Troll, and that snack Polly cupcakes every Monday and Thursday on the official Caps Churp podcast, repping the greatest team in the NHL, your Washington Capitals. Not only do we bring you the best Washington Capitals coverage, but we've got the hottest takes and the tastiest content. Tune in wherever you get your podcast and at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Chirp us on all social media platforms at CapsChirp. See you beauties and vendors there. Sixty eight teams started the tournament. Only the best have survived. From Oral Roberts making it all the way to the Sweet Sixteen. To the Pac-12 Conference dominating the tournament, there has been a boatload of craziness in this year's March Madness. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $1 on any tournament game, and if your team wins, you win $100. It's that simple. Turning $1 into $100 is 100 to 1 odds. This, my friends, is a great, great deal. Pick any college basketball team that's still in the hunt for your shot at winning $100. All it takes is a $1 bet and that team winning their next game. There's no better way to put your college basketball knowledge to the test than to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. Don't worry if college basketball isn't for you. DraftKings Sportsbook offers daily odds boosts on pro basketball, hockey, golf, and so much more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the college basketball team of your choosing pulls off the victory. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100. Dollars for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler or in Indiana 109 with it. Welcome right. to New York. Oh. Attention fans! This is this the Double State of Mind podcast. podcast, brought to brought you to by you the Hockey, hockey Podcast Network. Now, now here's your host, here's your host, host Neil Villapiano. Everybody, It is your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devils State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place as always to get the most up-to-date news and topics going on about your New Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. Happy Easter. I hope you guys had a tremendous Easter, whether you were able to spend time with loved ones, or even if you were just by yourself, I hope your Easter was fantastic. I'm actually recording this on Easter Sunday. And, you know, there's a lot that we have to talk about because there were obviously two games between the Devils and the Capitals, the final two games of the season between the Devils and Capitals. And we also got some breaking news right before the start of the second game on Sunday or today as I'm recording this and we'll get into all that. But again, I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. Thank you guys as always for taking some time to check these episodes out. I do greatly appreciate it. I also want to you know, say up front that I am dealing with a severe case of the allergies. Um, my throat is a little bit sore. I'm pretty tired to be honest with you. But I'm going to fight through this to uh, to do this episode, to give you guys more and more content up to, the, up to the, the minute content as best as I can. So please bear with me as I may not have as much energy as I normally do, but I am still going to do the best that I can. But we have a bunch to get to, like I just mentioned. So let's not waste any more time and drop the puck. So we'll start with the game on Friday night against the Capitals. And the interesting thing going into this game was that it was the first time all season, other than when the Devils were on their little hiatus after dealing with COVID-19, that the Devils were coming into a game having been off for more than one day. They actually had been off for two days. They were off on Wednesday and Thursday after losing in a shootout to the Boston Bruins in the second of that back-to-back. And the Washington Capitals were actually coming in after playing just the night before. And I don't know if you guys obviously know, but if you do, you already know where I'm going with this. They had themselves a pretty rough game the night before, losing 8-4 to on the island against the New York Islanders. So clearly, the Capitals were going to come into this situation trying to have a better Performance. And before I get into really the recap of the whole game, I will say as a whole that this was a pretty good game defensively from both teams. I felt like both goaltenders played pretty damn well. And it was really just a case of who was going to have the better puck luck in this situation. But we'll start with, you know, we'll go through the first period, but honestly, there was no goals to start. And both teams just traded opportunities in that first period. Both teams had some really good opportunities, particularly Jack Hughes who rang a shot maybe two or three times off the post in this game. And and he continues to get oh so close to getting himself a chance to score. Both teams had a chance on the power play, but neither one of them could finish the job. And at the end of the first period, it was no score. Then we shift things over to the second period where the, the Capitals had the puck in the offensive zone. They were looking to try to, you know, Get a puck past Blackwood and get themselves going and that's exactly what they did as John Carlson, the New Jersey native took a shot that at, at first it was deflected a little bit by TJ Oshie but he actually did a pretty good job of screening Blackwood enough where that puck got past him and the Capitals grabbed themselves a one nothing lead and that was obviously tough. John Carlson that was his 10th goal of the season with Lars Eller getting the only assist on that one and the Devils Again, like many of the times this season, instead of playing back and just allowing the Capitals to do whatever they want – they immediately went back on the attack and tried to go and get that next goal. And they eventually were able to tie the game about four minutes later when Jesper Boquist took a shot and you knew that he wasn't really trying to score from there. He was seeing that Michael McLeod was coming up the middle of the ice trying to get a rebound. So Boquist took a shot that he knew was going to deflect off of Vanachek and come right out of front and it worked exactly that way. Boquist takes the shot, Vanachek makes the save and Michael McLeod takes the shot on a rebound and he beats Vanachek to tie the game at one. And for Michael McLeod, or Eminem as I like to call him, that was his sixth goal of the season and goals in back-to-back games as he has really started to pick up his play over the last couple of games. And this is clearly a much better Michael McLeod than we've seen in years past. If you follow the Devils last two or three seasons, you know how Michael McLeod has been over those couple of years where he kept going up and down, you know, whether it's with Binghamton or New Jersey. And he always seemed to have no luck when it came to scoring his first NHL goal. He would have so many good opportunities, but he couldn't find the back of the net. And I kept saying that, you know, honestly, once he gets his first NHL goal, it's going to start, you know, coming in bunches. And even though it has initially come in consistent bunches, Michael McLeod has had a handful of really good games. And the last two games, he's been able to score and he was able to tie the game. At one, Boquist, that was his second point or his first point of the season. We know that Boquist has kind of had an up-and-down situation over the past year and a half now with the Devils, but he's starting to get some consistency, which is good. Ryan Murray also got an assist, which got him his seventh point of the season, and that tied the game at one. And then basically from that point on, both teams just continued to trade really good opportunities from the basically the midway point of the second period to the end of the third period. And there were just some really, really good opportunities. Jack Hughes, again, he got the puck in the slot, hit the post. He had another chance where he took a shot and, you know, the goaltender made his saves and he was able to make the save on the rebound. And that was a very tough thing to do. And no goals were scored. At the end of the at the end of the third period. So the game remained tied and had to go to overtime. And right off the bat in overtime, there was a scramble on the face up. Nobody knew where the puck was. And out of nowhere, the Capitals got the puck, and Connor Sherry was able to break away and get a breakaway opportunity. And I remember saying to myself, Oh no, really? We're gonna we're gonna lose the game just like that. We're just gonna lose right off the bat. But Blackwood made a great stick pad save and denied Connor Sherry of scoring that goal. And the Devils had, I want to say, two really good opportunities in overtime. The first one was Jack Hughes got a partial breakaway, and it looked like that he was going to be able to beat the goaltender. And he might have hesitated just a little bit, but he went from his forehand to his backhand, tried to go low side on Vanacek, and Vanacek made the save. And that was a tremendous save by Vanacek, do not get me wrong. And the Capitals had a couple couple good opportunities. The only guy that really was kind of a non-factor, you would say, in an overtime, which is kind of a shock, was Alexander Ovechkin. I don't even recall him being on the ice that much. But again, I think the Devils just wanted to make sure that if any Capital player was going to beat them, it wasn't going to be Alexander Ovechkin, who has 30-plus goals in his career against the New Jersey Devils. Which I believe is like the second or third most he scored against one team in his career. So I mean that just, you know, that's just uh, that's just how it goes. And the Devils continued to to push, to push, and get good opportunities. And then you had a situation where we were approaching the end of overtime. There was about forty five seconds left. PK Subban had the puck, and he did a great job of making a beautiful pass to Travis Zajac, who was coming off the bench. Zajac got all the puck. Took the shot, and he got denied by Vanacek. It was just a great save by Vanacek, who made two or three in that overtime to keep the Capitals in a position to win this game. And the Capitals came back the other way. Dmitry Orloff was, he had another guy with him. I think it was a two-on-two. And Orloff decided to just take it into the zone and take a shot. And he took a wrist shot, it hit the top of the post, and it went in the back of the net. And at first, nobody thought it went in. I mean, even Orloff couldn't believe that that puck went in. And after the red signaling was a goal, he just kind of raised his shoulders and just started celebrating. He was like, all right, cool. I scored. We win. And that was basically it. And it was one of those many times where the devils were clearly the better team, particularly in that overtime. And they had some gorgeous opportunities and the capitals come down with one chance and they score. And it was a really, really frustrating type of loss. I mean, don't get me wrong. Anytime your team loses, it's frustrating. But when you have games like that, it's just doubly frustrating because you feel like the Devils should have won that game. And that was really kind of the whole feeling towards that. And Dmitry Orlov, who had something like six or seven shots on goal in that game alone, finally got rewarded with the game-winning goal in overtime to give the Capitals a 2-1 to victory, moving the Capitals to 7-0 this entire season against this New Jersey Devils team. And so it's just, like I said, it was a pretty good game. Actually, it was a very good game defensively from the Devils' standpoint. And you know, it was just an unfortunate situation at the end. And the shot totals were actually 40 to 23 in favor of the Capitals. So I mean, you know, Mackenzie Blackwood had one of those games where he did literally everything he could to keep the Devils in this. And unfortunately, they just didn't get him the goal support to give him an opportunity to win this game. And that's, and that's kind of the thing. And I want to talk about that really quickly because some people were talking about it. After the game, some fans were talking about it, and I wanted to bring it up. A lot of people are saying that we are, quote unquote, wasting the prime of Mackenzie Blackwood and wasting a really good talent at Blackwood because we are struggling to score. Do you know where I heard that? Or do you know where I, you know, who I was saying that about for several years? Corey Schneider. And I know you guys obviously are probably going to roll your eyes and say, oh, here we go. Neil's trying to defend Corey Schneider for the umpteenth time. But I'm telling you, Anybody who saw this team for four or five years when Corey was the main guy, that was the other, that was the same problem. The devils just could not score enough goals to give him an opportunity to get a win. When he was on that losing streak a year and change ago, and everybody was making fun of him. The reality was, is that he would play several really good games where he gave up two or three goals or even just one, but the devils couldn't score enough to get him the win. And so he would lose these games. And look, a lot of people will agree with me. If McKen- if Corey Schneider had had the goal support that he needed, his stats would have looked so much better. And honestly, he would have given himself a chance to run for at least one Vesna in his, in his time in New Jersey. Because he was that good from like 2014-15 to 2016-17, 2017, or at the beginning of 2017-2018. Like he was that good. He was one of the better goaltenders, one of the most consistent goaltenders in the NHL. And that's what we're seeing right now with Mackenzie Blackwood. He's had a truckload of games in his very young career where he has made great save after great save to keep the Devils in it. And they weren't able to score enough to get the victory. And so his win-loss record doesn't look that great. But if you look at his save percentage and his goals against average and basically every other stat you can look at, he's basically been the guy. He's done everything he possibly can. And the Devils are just lacking in scoring. So when I see God, when I see fans, and I see people saying that, this isn't the first time that we're dealing with this, and this is why again this type, this part of our game needs to be addressed. Whether that's continuing to get more young players in here and develop them or to make moves to get some really consistent goal scores, we have to do that because eventually, Corey, uh, excuse me, Mackenzie Blackwood is going to start regressing. And we kind of already seen it a little bit from the season and he's dealt with COVID and he's dealt with injury as well, but you don't want to be in a position where he has to play 75 to 90% of the games every year because we just don't have enough goal support and we don't have enough support, you know, as a backup. Because, look, the Devils signed Corey Crawford in this offseason for the specific reason so that they could have a pretty balanced workload of both of them. And it was unfortunate, and the Devils were dealt with a bad hand when Corey Crawford decided to retire before even suiting up for the Devils this season. And we had to rely on the likes of Scott Wedgwood, Aaron Dell, um, you know, Eric Comrie, you know, guys like that. We had to rely on them to do that. And Scott Wedgwood has been the most consistent backup. I don't even remember the last time Aaron Dell even set foot on the ice. He's been the third string goaltender for the majority of his time in New Jersey. And I honestly don't think he'll be back next year, but you never know. But again, I think that The Devils just don't feel confident enough to give Blackwood maybe one or even two games in a row a rest because of that situation. And it's a really tough thing. And that's where it's frustrating. And then when you're having games where you're only scoring one goal and you're just not getting other guys to contribute, it's a tough thing when your goaltender has to consistently try to bail you out to at least get one point. So that was the frustrating thing, and that's where I was like, I've heard this story before, and it needs to change. Otherwise, Blackwood is going to be another casualty of the Devils just not scoring enough. So that was really the big thing. But now let's shift to today's game, or Sunday's game, against the Capitals. Now this was, thank the Lord, the last time we have to play the Capitals this season and we were all hoping that the devils could find a way to maybe get a victory to avoid going 0 and 8 or 0 6 and 2 against the capitals this season. And if the capitals win, they would be the first team in I don't know how long to win 7 or 8 games in one season against one team in a regular season. So clearly the devils were trying to avoid going winless against this capitals team. But we got some pretty big breaking news right before, well, not right before, but right as warmups were about to begin. Amanda Stein was the first one to announce this, that Kyle Palmieri was not going to be playing for precautionary reasons. Now, if you've watched hockey long enough, You pretty much know what that means when somebody is not in the lineup for precautionary reasons, especially when you're less than two weeks away from the trade deadline. That pretty much means that this guy is about to get traded. And then we started to hear some more information. Corey Masizak tweeted it out. Several other people tweeted it out as well, but Masizak was the first one to report it. He said that Kyle Palmieri's agent had tweeted out earlier that day that Kyle Palmieri was not going to be playing. He was going to be kept out because of a possible trade. They also said that they had tried this weekend, this past weekend, to try to work out an extension one more time with the Devils. And that didn't end up working out. And so a trade is pretty much inevitable. So here's the thing about that. If there was a if there was a well, basically this is what I'm trying to say. If they couldn't get a deal done, but there was no trade offer, the Devils would still play Kyle Palmieri. The thing that makes it interesting is that Kyle Palmieri was not playing at all in this game, which pretty much tells me that there is a deal in place, and that probably within the next 24 to 48 hours, hell, maybe even by the time you're listening to this episode a deal might have already been announced, but it looks like to me that some team has come in with an offer and the devils are accepting it. Now, again, Kyle Palmieri has a edited no trade clause. So he only has eight teams on there and we were hearing that most of them were Canadian, but a couple things have changed over the last couple of weeks. First of all, the Canadian government said that they are changing the quarantine for NHL players from 14 days to seven, which makes it a lot easier for players if they want to get or end up getting traded across the border to quarantine. I don't know if it's the same way the other way. It might be, not totally sure, but that made it more enticing. I remember tweeting and saying, hey, that could be a game changer. And the other thing was this. There are some rumors going around, especially during the game, that – there was one or two Canadian teams or an actually an unknown Canadian team that came out with a pretty good offer that Kyle Palmieri heard and that he was okay with waiving his no trade costs. I cannot confirm or deny that this is true. We won't get definitive answers until we find out who he ends up getting traded to. But from the sources that I was speaking to and the information that I got, it's most likely that within the next 24 to 48 hours, Kyle Palmieri will be traded. And again, this type of situation is somewhat similar to the Taylor Hall situation. Now, the difference is is that Taylor Hall was traded several months before the deadline. Like, it was pretty much that Ray Shiro saw this as the best opportunity at any point in the season to trade Hall and get the best offer he could, and he ran with it. This is probably the same thing. I think the Devils wanted to get a head start on maybe some of the several moves that they could make at the deadline. And this is probably the best offer they're going to get. Because I think if they try to hold on to Kyle Palmieri and wait till the deadline, they may not get as good of an offer as they want. And I know that probably Tom Fitzgerald wanted to do everything, and he probably tried to do everything he could to get a contract extension completed with Palmieri And I think what's going to end up coming out is that it probably had to do with the average annual value or AAV, as we call it. And this is kind of the thing. And so to me, I think it was one of those situations where Palmieri's agents wanted more money per term, per year, and the Devils were not as confident in that. Because you have to remember, Kyle Palmieri is in his early 30s. He has roughly four, maybe five more years left. Of his prime or maybe that's a little general maybe two or three and the devils are looking at a situation and saying well is he going to be able to perform at a high level once we get out of this rebuild um or is this a situation where we could get a really good offer that could help us with our rebuild and kind of go from there and i think that fitzgerald really wanted to keep palmer because remember He could have traded him last deadline, and you all remember it. We've mentioned it before on the podcast, but if you remember, he said to the media, why do I want to trade a 30-goal scorer? And we don't know what type of offers he got, and we don't even know what type of offers he's getting right now. It might be different. It might be better. It might be worse. Who knows? I think the Devils are going to get a decent haul for Kyle Palmieri. I think that they will get a first- or second-round pick, probably more likely a second-round pick. And they may get another pick as well and probably a prospect. Um, Somebody mentioned that if the Bruins were going to be involved, that they might add Jake DeBrusque to this because DeBrusque obviously has been dealing with some injuries and he's also been in and out of the lineup and that the Bruins may be looking to try to move him and maybe he needs a change of scenery. Now, Jake DeBrusque would be a good um, addition to the defensive core. But I'm not going to talk about that because, again, we don't know if that's going to end up being where he goes. Um, he could go to a Canadian team. Who knows? He might go to the Islanders. We know the Islanders have been rumored to be with Kyle Palmieri since the, the rumors started coming out about Kyle Palmieri. I mean, that's basically the situation that we're in. So it's kind of an interesting thing for um, for this. Now, NHL Rumors on Twitter, at NHL Rumors Daily, he tweeted this out, and this was way before the announcement came out that Palmieri wasn't playing. Uh, Somebody asked him, who are the top suitors for Kyle Palmieri? And he said, don't believe Canada is in play despite a few teams checking in. The Islanders and the Bruins are the top two. Dark Horse is the Minnesota Wild. And uh, would they do it as a pure rental? Not sure where Garrett stands on that. And he also said the Minnesota Wild." Would have to like their chances of making a run, otherwise wouldn't happen. So, I mean, this is the thing. Again, like I mentioned, from the sources that I got, it seems like that there was one or two, or is, or is there a Canadian team or two that has made a really good offer, and that Kyle Palmieri has maybe changed his mind. We do not know. We do. We just don't know. And it's one of those things. And it's really kind of a. It's kind of a. I, I don't know. I, I have kind of like mixed emotions about it. And I have mixed emotions about it when people were talking about it earlier this season. And I told you guys how I'd feel about it. I said that I would be happy either way because I know what Kyle Palmieri has meant to the New Jersey Devils since he got here. He's been other than Taylor hall, the only other 30 goal scorer we've had in the last four or five seasons. He's been consistent. He's a Jersey guy. He has done everything he could to help this devil's team and I look at this year, and there are a couple of factors. One is that he's dealt with COVID. Number two, I think the system that Lindy Ruff has is not suitable for a player like him. And also, this may be something that could be a little bit of a, of a touchy thing to say. Because, and Look, I don't know Palmieri personally, but I'm going to say this. I think Kyle Palmieri is tired of being in this situation. I think that at, at his age, considering what he's done, um, I think he's just tired of the team rebuilding. I think at this point in his career, he wants to start giving himself an opportunity to go out and compete for a Stanley Cup championship. I mean, look at Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman is a couple years younger than Kyle Palmieri, and he gets traded to Tampa, and several months later, he wins a Stanley Cup. Um, So, I mean, it's one of those things where Palmieri, I'm sure at this point, is like, do I really want to continue to play here, knowing that we're probably another two, maybe three years away from being legit Cup contenders? Or do I want to go somewhere where maybe I I get traded to a contender, maybe we make a run at it, and then maybe in the offseason I look to try to go to a team that has a much closer and much quicker chance of winning a cup. So that that could be – I think that that's something that we haven't taken into consideration, but I think it's something to mention. Uh, Corey Matzizak tweeted this out as well. It's kind of a stat on Kyle Palmieri. He says, Kyle Palmieri has scored 140 goals for the Devils which is tied for 16th in franchise history. And he scored 24 or more goals in every full season with the club, every full season. If you remember, we didn't finish last season. Um, The only players in franchise history with 24 plus goal seasons are Patrick Elias and John McClain. So that just goes to show you how consistent, not consistently good Kyle Palmieri has been since he came here to New Jersey. And so we're in that situation. Uh, Bartlett Hockey on Twitter at Bartlett Hockey. He tweeted this out since 2015-16, only five right-wingers have scored more NHL goals than Kyle Palmieri. Patrick Kane, David Posnack, Nikita Kucherov, Cam Atkinson, and Vladimir Tarasenko. And that's pretty good company to be in because if you think about the guys that are behind him, Phil Kessel, TJ Oshie, Mark Stone, Freddie Gallagher, Blake Wheeler, Sam Reinhardt, Victor Arvidsson. So, In terms of right-wingers, Kyle Palmieri for the last several years has been one of the top right-wingers in the National Hockey League. And we know that he had a lot of value last year, and we know that he probably still has good value this year. The issue, as we mentioned before, with Kyle Palmieri is that he's had a down year in New Jersey, and that's for a multitude of reasons. And a lot of people are kind of like, do we really want to do this? Do we really not? And remember, we do have the Seattle expansion draft to worry about as well. So teams maybe not, may not be so interested in doing it only because they don't know if they're going to be able to keep him or could they lose him in the Seattle expansion draft. I mean, there's always a possibility. Uh, we, we don't know, but there's always a possibility for that. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a thing where once it was announced that Paul Mary was not going to be playing, I mean, we all know what the situation is. Some people try to say, oh, maybe he's just getting a day off. No. The thing you have to understand, if you don't know, and if you don't watch consistently, I'll try to explain it. When you see somebody that is being a healthy scratch and it's for precautionary reasons, that is the main reason. If it was a COVID thing like like we've had before, that would have that, that's what they would have said. It would have been he got put on the COVID-19 list. This is clearly that they're trying to trade him. And they don't want him to play because they don't want him to get hurt and then, you know, not get the deal done. So in terms of where do I think Palmieri is going and what do I think the Devils could get? I have absolutely 100% no freaking clue. I don't. And I, I, I feel, I'm sorry that I don't. But there's just, there's so many different things that have come out about teams that could be interested. And the reality is, is that we don't really know what teams value Kyle Palmieri as right now. I would certainly like to think that he's the second, maybe possibly third, most interesting um, trade target this trade deadline. I think certainly um, you look at situation. You look at some teams who need some goal scoring in the top six. They're going to look at someone like Kyle Palmer. And the question is simply this: What are teams willing to give up? Do some teams feel confident that they could? Give up a big asset for him. I mean, look at the New York Islanders last year when they traded to acquire Jean Gabriel Pajot. They gave up a bunch, including a first round pick, but they ended up signing him right after they traded him, signed him with a six year extension. So they clearly did. This wasn't just a rental. This was a guy that they looked at. We are going to keep him long term. Do I think that somebody's going to get Kyle Palmieri and immediately sign him to an extension? No. I don't personally think that's going to end up being the case. I think that this is going to be a situation where he's going to be a rental. So Devils fans, I would say this, let's not try to get our hopes up. Let's not expect the Devils to get a truckload for him. Cause he's not, he's not a one. He's not an Austin Matthews. He's not a Connor McDavid. He, but he's still a very good goal scorer. He's a 25, 30 goal scorer. When, you know, when he's on his game, but the devils just may not get exactly what they're looking for. I could be wrong. Hell, they could get a first round pick and one of the top prospects from a team. They very well could do that. I would be shocked. And I would say, damn, Fitzgerald, you're really rolling right now with these moves. Um, but no, I think that most likely it's going to be a second a 2nd round pick, maybe a third round pick as well. And probably a prospect. Um Unless, you know, there's like I said, unless there's a better deal on the table, we, we shall see. But the bottom line is simply that it is pretty much a guarantee now that Kyle Palmieri within the next couple of days will no longer be with the New Jersey Devils. And if this really is the last time that Kyle Palmieri is a New Jersey Devil, I will just say that I appreciate everything he did in New Jersey for the four five years he was here being a consistent goal scorer, you know, representing New Jersey well, being a Jersey guy and doing everything he possibly could to try to help this team in many ways, both on and off the ice. And I wish him nothing but the best for the rest of this season and in the future. And again, I know there's a possibility that maybe the Devils could work out a contract with them in the offseason. Who knows? They could do it like they did with, you know, trading Votnin to get Yanni Kvokan and then Votnin comes back to the team in the offseason. That could happen. I doubt it. Honestly, I mean... Hell, we could have given Taylor Hall a contract this offseason if we wanted to. We had the money, and that didn't happen. So, I mean, I I don't think this is going to happen. But I will leave it at this. I don't think this is the only move the Devils will make. I think that Dmitry Kulikov is another guy that could be moved. He's a very enticing player. Ryan Murray, the same thing. Um, I think that um, over the next three or four games, it'll become a little bit clearer as to where this Devils team is going to be. And then I think Tom Fitzgerald will want to, at some point, get some more of those young players like a ball, like a Riley Walsh, Graham Clark, uh, guys like that, an opportunity to play at least a couple of games to end the season. And that's where I think you're going to see a couple more moves. I expect the Devils to have maybe three, four moves when it's all said and done. I could be totally wrong. This could be the only move the Devils make. But the bottom line is that Kyle Palmieri, Right now we're just counting down the minutes until we get the notification that he has been officially traded, and then we will talk about it. But now we're going to talk about Sunday's game against the Capitals. Like I mentioned before, last game of the entire season against Washington, thank the freaking Lord. Um, I know Hockey Troll and Polly Cupcakes at Caps Chirp have probably been enjoying the hell out of beating us this many times this year and having very little to no problem against us. And ladies and gentlemen, This was a very interesting game. It really was, really was. And it started with the Devils striking pretty early in the game, a little over three minutes, when Nick Merkley made a chef's kiss, beautiful pass to Travis Zajac for the one-timer, and he was able to beat the goaltender, off and give the Devils a one nothing lead. And that goal by Travis Zajac was able to push him to pass Bobby Holik for the third most goals in Devils history at 201. So, obviously Travis Zajac will finish his Devils career at least with the third most goals in franchise history, which shows you the longevity that Travis Zajac has had. Ryan Murray got himself an assist. Ryan Murray has been playing pretty well lately. Which is why I, I mentioned him as possible trade cannons. He's been playing well lately, late, gaining a bunch of points. He could be very, he could be somewhat valuable for a team needing a bottom, you know, bottom four defenseman for the playoffs. Well, well that's why I pointed it out. And the Devils were able to grab themselves, like I mentioned, a one nothing lead, and they continued to attack. And unfortunately, about six minutes later, TJ Oshie was able to get past the defenseman, go from his forehand to his backhand, top shelf over the left shoulder of Mackenzie Blackwood to tie the game. I hate TJ Oshie. I'm just going to flat out come out and say it. Because TJ Oshie, who has 11 goals, I feel like half of his goals, or three-quarters of his freaking goals, have been against the Devils this season. He's a Devils killer, like the Patrick Sharps of the world. He's just a guy that, when he plays the Devils, he just is phenomenal. Ovechkin got an assist, which was his 14th, and Brendan Dillon got his... 10th assist of the year, and more importantly, the game was tied at one, and that's where the score ended after the first period. And I would say, honestly, the second period was the most frustrating out of the three. It started with Connor Sherry took a shot about three minutes into the second period. It hit off of Severson's arm and into the back of the net. Now, Blackwood was going from his right to his left, and, you know, obviously, it's not totally Blackwood's fault. Because he's clearly out of position because he wasn't expecting it to deflect off of Severson and go in, but it was a very frustrating goal nonetheless. And Connor Sherry got his eighth goal of the year with Orlov getting his fourth assist. And Justin Schultz, who has been phenomenal with the Capitals coming from Pittsburgh, got his 16th of the year. It was pretty damn impressive, if you ask me. Very, very impressive. Um, But yeah, the Capitals took themselves a 2-1 to lead, and they really started to get things going Um, as the period progressed. And the Capitals scored again on a power play after Kulikov was called to the bench on a slash. And Alex Ovechkin, who wasn't standing necessarily in his wheelhouse, but he was standing on the other side of the net while being guarded by Travis Zajac, Backstrom took a shot that got past Blackwood. He made the save, but it got past him, and Ovechkin was able to whack it in. But if you go back to the replay, Travis Zajac actually hit Ovechkin's stick, which hit the puck and went in the back of the net. It was a frustrating goal in the lesson. Ovechkin getting himself his 35th goal of his career against the Devils, giving the Capitals a three one lead. Backstrom getting his 26th assist. That is crazy. And Kuznetsov getting his 13th assist, and the Capitals grab themselves a three one lead. Like I mentioned, and then here's where it gets frustrating. We are About four minutes to go in the first, actually, no, about five, six minutes to go in the second period. The Devils were on the power play, and they miraculously kept the puck in for the entire two minutes, plus another minute where it was five on five because the Capitals were struggling to just get it out. And they had shot after shot. Jack Hughes had two or three chances, one that hit the post, the top post and off. Another chance where Hughes took a shot and then there's Brad standing there on a the rebound and off makes a save. And it was just chance after chance and we couldn't score. And eventually the Capitals cleared it. We had three plus minutes in the Ozone and could not score. And it was just how? How are we having these great A opportunities and not scoring? I don't get that. Are we really this bad? Do we just have no luck? I mean, that's what it feels like. We have the worst. We have no puck luck. We really don't at times. And that's what we saw in this game. And the Devils were able to draw another penalty right after that, which only lasted 14 seconds because Zaga got called for a slash. So we went to four on four. And then while we were on four and four, Sharon Govich got a nice feed from Ryan Murray. And instead of slowing down as he got into the offensive zone to wait for everybody else, he, for the umpteenth time, decided, BS on that. I'm shooting it. He fired it. It probably surprised Samson off. And it beat Samson off, stick side into the net, and the Devils cut the deficit to one. For Sharon Govich, that was his eighth goal of the year. Ryan Murray, with his second assist of the game, his ninth on the air. And Jack Hughes, for the first time in eight or nine games, finally got on the score sheet. And we know how close he's gotten to getting himself back to where he was earlier this year. He's just not been able to score. The hockey gods are clearly against Jack Hughes over these last handful of games. But the Devils cut the deficit to one, and that's where it stood at the end of two periods, three to two. And then this is where I got pissed off because the Devils finished the period on the power play again. And they had about a minute 20 to go on it going into the third, and then with about 40 seconds left, Severson was trying to hold on to the puck in the offensive zone on the right side. He whiffed at it, lost the puck, and Hathaway got away with it, had a two-on-one, made a nice feed to Hagelin, who didn't get all of the shot, but got enough of it where it went over the head of Blackwood because he tried to go low, and it went over Blackwood's head into the net, short-handed goal, and the Capitals regained two-goal lead at 4-2. to two. And that was just one of those like, we give up so many short-handed opportunities, and the Capitals just made us pay. It was just, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But it didn't stop there, because exactly three minutes later, the Capitals came back once again. Ovechkin had the puck right in the zone. He could have shot it himself, but at the last second, made a nice feed to Evgeny Kuznetsov, who tapped it in, and the Capitals grabbed themselves a commanding Five to two lead. And at this point, I was like, all right, well, that's that's the end of that. We're just gonna get blown out, and that's the end, of, and that we're gonna lose. Plain plain and simple. But the devils, like they've done so many times this year, and I gotta give them credit, gotta give them credit. They fought back, and it started with Jesper Bratt, who had the puck, it's kind of a scramble front of the net. He took a shot that went top shelf over Samsonov's uh right shoulder and scored. And the devils cut the deficit to five to three. So I was like, OK, OK, you know, we're thinking like nine minutes left, plenty of time to get back in this one. And the Devils, about five minutes later, very similar to the first goal they scored. Nick Merkley got the puck in the offensive zone, cross crease pass to Travis Zajac, who had a one-time blast that beat Samson off. This shot was actually further away than the other one. And the Devils, all of a sudden, with about four minutes left or so, are down by just one. Zay Jack getting his second goal of the game. Ryan Murray getting his third point of the game. This is clearly his best game offensively, and I mean honestly, his trade value if the Devils do trade someone like him is certainly going to go up after a game like this. But Zay Jack getting himself his seventh goal of the year, a two-goal game, and the Devils all of a sudden are down by one. And like usual, they're pressing, they're pressing, they pull. Blackwood with about two minutes left, and they continue to try to get opportunities. The Capitals missed twice on empty net shots, but the Devils unfortunately could not get the final goal, and they lose this one 5-4. to four. And it was frustrating because Ty Smith did not play the final two minutes of that period. I don't know if he got benched or that was just decision. Honestly, you should have had Ty Smith out there. You should have. He has been arguably your best offensive defenseman all year long, catalyst on the power play many a times. You should have had him out there. That's plain and simple. That's on Lindy Ruff. And that was a bad decision, and it didn't work out. Now, this is where it gets frustrating. And you guys are going to laugh if you didn't see this game. The shots on goal between periods was actually stupid. The first period ended 17-9. to in favor of the devil, 17 to five, excuse me, 17 to five. That is nuts. At the end of two periods, it was 31 to 12, and we were losing three to two. We outshot them eight to seven in the third period and finished off outshooting them by two times the amount of shots, 39 to 19. We outshot them, outplayed them for the majority of this game. And we lost, and primarily it had to do with two things: puck luck and the Capitals just took advantage of their opportunities when they were given. When we make when we make mistakes, Capitals make you pay, and they did it five times in this game, and that's just what it was. And it was such a gut wrenching thing because you're down five to two, you're thinking you're going to get blown out. We make another ferocious comeback, we continue to compete, and we just didn't have enough to get over the over the top. To try to win this game. And so we do finish the season winless against the Washington Capitals 06-2. And just thank the Lord that this whole series with the Capitals is over. Um, you know, hats off to the Capitals for finding a way to win all eight games against us, and they are really rolling right now. And if they keep playing this way, they are going to be a big-time favorite going into the Stanley Cup playoffs this year. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. Um, But again, whether you want to blame it on puck luck, uh, Capitals taking advantage of opportunities, the news about Kyle Palmieri, whatever you want to blame it on, we just did not have enough. We had more goal scoring in this one, but we just made way too many mistakes and the Capitals made us pay. So now we go into this upcoming week. We got back-to-back games against the Sabres who have won two of their last three. So they're kind of riding high, and they've had a lot of good success against us. So it'll be an interesting um, two-game series against them, and we'll see how it goes. And a week from this week, we have that four-game series against the Rangers, and that's going to be interesting. And, and the team's going to look a lot different by that time because the deadline will pretty much have come and gone by that point. So we'll see. Um, but that's pretty much the situation, and that's pretty much the recaps for the Devils this past weekend. Now, the last thing quickly here I wanted to mention was obviously the news about the Vancouver Canucks, uh, who were dealing with a massive COVID outbreak. And it is a lot worse, honestly, than what the Devils experienced. Um, there are a couple of new variants that we've been dealing with, uh, the UK or the English uh, variant. And there's also one from Brazil that has made its way to Western Canada, particularly Vancouver Islands. Um, and the Vancouver Canucks have been major victims of this. Uh, As of last reported by ESPN and several others, there are about 20 players and staff that are in quarantine that have been affected by this. And some players have been dealing with massive side effects, uh, vomiting, shortness of breath, dizziness, fatigue, um, major stuff uh, that has been really crazy. Um, And the Canucks have missed their last two games at the moment. And there really is no idea really as to when the Canucks will be ready to play again. So this is a tough situation because the NHL already had to move back the end date of the season to about the second week of May. And there's a question right now where people are wondering, are the Canucks going to be able to finish the season? Um, They're still fighting for a playoff spot. Um, You know, are they going to be able to finish it? And there are teams and look, I mean, every team in, in the Canadian division has to play them at some point, you know, to finish some games. And so it's kind of a, very difficult situation and I, my heart goes out to those players and those coaches and their families and I hope that they're able to get through this um, alive and obviously healthy and everything like that. Uh, it's a scary thing, it's a really scary thing and I'm just hoping that we're they're able to get through it and the NHL can make some uh, decisions very soon because if this lingers on for for much longer, We're gonna be in a very, very difficult situation and the NHL may have to make some really tough decisions uh, that I really just don't wanna go down uh, at the moment. Um, I'm not gonna talk about it unless it ends up happening, but knock on wood, that's not the case. So uh, shout out to the Vancouver Canucks organization. I hope you guys are continuing to fight and getting through this. um, And I hope you guys get through it healthy because we know how difficult it is, especially with these variants. And hopefully these guys can start getting vaccinated as well to help themselves uh, down the road. And maybe this is kind of a, an opportunity to do so, but we'll see. We'll see what's going on. Devils fans. It's your host, Neil Villapiano. Thank you so much for checking out this edition of the devil's state of mind podcast on the hockey podcast network, the best place to get the most up-to-date news about your New Jersey devils. If you want to check out more of the podcast, here's what you do. You go wherever you listen to podcasts. So that could be Spotify. That could be iTunes. That could be Google Podcasts. You know, wherever you listen to podcasts, you go and you search Devil's State of Mind and you will find the new episodes that we post every week on both Mondays and Thursdays. Please also go check out the Hockey Podcast Network as a whole. We have podcasts for all the teams in the NHL, as well as other great hockey podcasts. So just like with Devil's State of Mind, just search Hockey Podcast Network, and you can see all of the podcasts that we have on this great network. You can follow the Devil's State of Mind on social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Devil State, and you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Devil's State of Mind. Make sure to also follow the Hockey Podcast Network on all social media platforms. Just search at H-O-C-K-E-Y, Hockey, P-O-D, Pod, N-E-T, Net. If you want to listen to more of my voice, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Podcast, where I talk about all things going on in the wide world of sports. New episodes go out every Monday and Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, go like and subscribe to the Mofobo Network Sports Presents channel on YouTube, where just like the podcast, I talk about different topics that are going on in the world of sports as well. New videos go out every single Tuesday on YouTube. So it's spelled M-O-F-O-B-O Network Presents, and you will find it. again. New videos out every Tuesday. You can stay up to date with all the new episodes and videos by following me on my personal Twitter at T H E N V P S H O W, my personal Instagram at N V P Q B 11, and also Mofobo Network on Facebook. And last, but certainly not least, go check out both my books on Amazon and Barnes and Noble right now. The first is J E T S. -S 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 Pain, pain, pain. pain—the agony and the ecstasy. Nah, no ecstasy of being a Jets fan. This book is about all the pain and suffering of being a New York Jets fan. So, from all the painful moves, painful games, painful player decisions, painful ownership decisions—you know where? You know anything we could think of—it's in this book. So this is really for the Jets fan. So if you're a Jets fan, a football fan, if you know someone one of those, or if you just want to support me, go check out that book. The other book that I just published recently is titled Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. This one is all about the regrets of being a Mets fan even through world championships in 1969 and 1986, there was so much regret between those years, between those years, as well as the years following 1986. Both of these books are available for both hardcover and ebook for the price of 1969. So if you're a Jets fan or a Mets fan, or by some chance you're both, you probably guessed why I chose that price. So again, please go check out both of those books. The first one, J-E-T-S, Pain, 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 The Pain and Suffering of Being a New York Jets Man, and also Meet the Mets Mess, the R-E-G-R-E-T-S of New York Town. So once again, thank you guys so much for checking out this edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast. My name is Neil Piano, and we will see you in the next episode. Everyone continue to be the amazing people that you are you know, every single day, you know, always remember to just be yourself and continue to kick absolute butt. And one last thing, rock on. Woo!